Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 is bat at C70 on Twitter with me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wilman on Twitter. It was a week. It um, thankfully had a very, very, very high point because otherwise this would be a fairly depressing show, I think, <laughs> overall, mm-hmm. Tara. But let's talk, let's focus in on the high point first. Albert Pujols, two home runs in the first game against the Dodgers, hits the milestone 700. The milestone that even at the beginning of the year seemed unlikely and seemed basically impossible in June. And yet here we are with, you know, as he hit that, he had like, what, 10 games left after that. Um, he, he makes it with time to spare. Yeah, I, I've been doing sort of this countdown on Twitter since it became kind of a, a realistic possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when it got under double digits with, you know, 30 plus games, I was like, oh, <laughs> this the, the math works out here. Um, but it, it also still was very much like, hey, look, this could this could all end very easily and very quickly because that's how baseball is. Um, so it's crazy to think back to when the the idea was floated. I wonder if the Cardinals would resign Pujols to us having conversations about what the realistic expectation there could be and and. Is this just a nostalgia thing? He says he wants to be part of helping the team win, but, you know, what's really left in the tank? All the way to, you know, a few cool moments in the first half and then a home run derby that was like, wait a second, this is fun. (laughs) This is fun to root for. And then, you know, watching those numbers kind of tick away. It's wild to me to think that this is the reality of the 2022 season for the Cardinals. And we talked last week, it'd be nice if he hit it at home, there'd be a way cooler celebration. And I know at the time I said, that gives me lots of anxiety because (laughs) the pressure that is on to finish off that record in only a few games. Yes. With the pirates, but nonetheless, only three remaining at home, all of those things. So it's crazy to have had that moment with, like you said, 10 games left in the season and, and to see kind of the, the pressure release after Mm -hmm. that where, and I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Because for the last, uh, for the last month, I mean, for the month of August, it was pretty much the Cardinals are the best team in baseball. Um, But for a large portion of that end through September, it was, the Albert Pujol story is one of the coolest things in baseball (laughs) this year. And all the attention was there. All the focus was there. All the pressure was there. Every at bat, it was like, Oh, hold on. I got to watch this Mm -hmm. because you wanted to see it if it happened. And I think the entire team felt that way to some extent, because as much as Albert could say, I'm not chasing numbers. Everyone else was (laughs) (laughs) everyone else wanted it perhaps more than he wanted it himself just because it, it it didn't he didn't need it to prove anything but it sort of cements in very cl- in a very clear way where he fits in the the legacy of athletes in this sport and people wanted that for him in in so many ways for so many reasons so i think 
now the focus can return to hey, there's a postseason to play for. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how do we make sure we're firing on all cylinders, you know, a couple weeks from now? Because that's all that there is left for this team to sort through and to, to get through this last little bit of the season and um, try to make make that story continue for Pujols, for Molina, for Wainwright, and for everyone else who has been part of making this such a spectacular season in so many ways. I'm rambling a bit again because once again, I find myself having a hard time simplifying the emotion and the significance of watching Albert Pujols do this in this season after so many years of quite honestly feeling a bit jilted (laughs) by him leaving and that whole experience and you know, even my dad was saying, man, I spent a long time really mad at him for leaving, but I might have gotten a little teary when he hit 700. <laughs> so there's there's a lot uh, there's a lot invested into getting to that mark. And, you know, I think every face of every guy in the dugout, but they were all feeling the same thing. And so many of them have said as much that they felt like little kids watching their favorite player try to get some record, not like they were teammates watching, you know, their their equal (laughs) tried to do something and that's how we all felt i however was not watching Mm -hmm. um and not because it was on apple tv plus but rather because it was working (laughs) when you work in the sports industry um you know you work when sports are on television (laughs) and uh it makes it a little hard to keep track of keep track of the the nightly sports however i was listening to the radio call for both 699 and 700 and uh, it was a pretty cool moment even without the visual and you know then getting to see all the the video later um gave it that significance and that sort of otherworldly fairy tale however you want to describe uh is this real life kind of feeling that we it was like it got to the point where we we sort of anticipated that it was going to happen in the last couple of weeks, but then actually getting to that point, it was like, wait a second. Is this, are are we in the correct timeline? This is the universe (laughs) where this happens because uh, that seems pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will say I was not watching because it was on a Apple plus (laughs) TV and granted I realized a little later on, I probably could have, you know, hunted my way to my computer or whatever, but you know, I had pulled up game day and you know, that was the fun part of game day is because every time that Albert was up, he had runners on. So when it says in play mm-hmm. runs, it's like, <laughs> is, that, what happened. <laughs> is that, is that a double that brought in a runner? Is that, and then, you know, just, just, you know, fairly soon after to hit, you know, to get that confirmation that not only did he hit, you know, 699, but then to turn around, you know, inning later and hit 700 was, was just insane. And then to be able to, you know, again, Social media gets a bad rap and deservedly so. But for moments like that, to be yeah. able to be on Twitter and see everyone's reaction and interact with people that, you know, none of us were in Dodger Stadium to be able to see it. Um, but we got a chance to almost pretend like we were right to to turn to to turn to the person next to you or the person down there and give virtual high fives to some degree um and and that is one of the the better things we've seen that you know i know we 
talked a lot about it in uh, 2011, you know, that you're kind of a shared community in any time they're in the playoffs um, to be able to have that. So yeah, it was, it was incredible. It's still amazing. I was thinking about this at one point in time, but you know, Willie Mays is still alive and, and typically has been in terms, you know, greatest living ball player, um, which is, which is fair, but you wonder at whatever time he passes away, which hopefully is a ways off, you know, who takes up that mantle. It's, it's crazy to think that it could go right to Albert Pujols. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's that, it's that kind of legend of the game that at 50 years old or whatever the case may be, he may spend the rest of his life as, you know, quote, quote, greatest living ball player. I mean, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a subjective thing. Who knows? But, I mean, he's he's on a level of players that we just, I mean, we grew up talking about Ruth and Aaron, right? I mean, these yeah. are not just people. <laughs> I mean, these were, <laughs> these were like, you know, people on high to some degree, you know, you yeah. know, demigods or something like that. It just didn't even seem like, they seem more legend than ball player, I guess, to some degree. You know, and of course, Barry Bonds is his own different story. We did see that, um, and or some of us did, um, and and that's a different story. But um, Albert, just to have be able to know that we watched this guy from, you know, most of us, a lot of us, from first time he took a, a swing in the big leagues <laughs> up until you know this coming weekend or or the playoffs or whenever this ride ends, and know that in a generation you know like our kids their kids are going to look at him in that same mythical way that we looked at ruth and aaron it's just amazing to think about being you're right like living in that timeline that this is yeah. the person we got to see <laughs> yeah and i think that's what I've been trying to to kind of wrap my head around and and put into words, which is not a great thing to be stumbling over when the entire medium that we're dealing with is, you know, putting things into words. Uh, but I think that's part of what's so fascinating to me is that I do love. We we always talk about well, you can't compare this generation to a previous generation. It's not apples mm -hmm. to apples. There, you know, who's the greatest of all time is so subjective because the game is all these things, and yet this is a season where just a few weeks ago we were talking about Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina setting a record that we didn't even think about because mm -hmm. it just wasn't a thing, and then realizing to have the most games started together as battery mates is significant on a lot of levels none the least of which is look at the the generation gap between the other players on that list right and i think that's what's so interesting to me is is thinking back on the last couple of decades for these players who were writing history in a way that none of us knew while we were watching it in real time, which is not like that's how history works. <laughs> I get that. This is not something that's never been done before. But it's just when you when you see these sorts of accomplishments that stand in such contrast to a world in sports where it's so often sort of a, 
a flash in the pan. It's a a one-hit wonder, whatever cliche you want to use, where these careers are really short. Their impact is maybe really big for a a limited amount of time. And then there might be some records. They're going to be on some lists somewhere, but they don't necessarily kind of fit into that best ever category and to have been able to watch that and yes there was that 10-year gap or whatever (laughs) seems like 17 years and 18 years and a lifetime ago that Pujols left St. Louis yes there was that gap but to have the chance to kind of bookend that career and see these sorts of accomplishments in this uniform with these teammates. I mean, it's all just, it it feels like a movie script that you would read and be like, yeah, but that's not believable (laughs) except it is because it's really happening. And it's, it's just really cool to have the chance to see that in real time. And like you said, think 10, 20, 30, 40 years into the future and realize, wow, this is a name that's going to be on a list that, you know, it may never be reached again. Who knows? But it's going to be a while for anyone to reach that same level of greatness. And then it changes from, man, Albert's the best player I've ever seen to Albert's one of the best hitters of all time, like to ever have played the game of baseball professionally. And that's a huge step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was one thing when he was coming up and we were comparing him to Stan Musial, who of course is one of the legends of the game as well. But, you know, and he was favorably compared to that. I mean, there was a reason <laughs> they called him El Hombre for a while um, until he decided he didn't want to, you know, want that connection. Um, but now, I mean, he's gone beyond that. And what's, and that's, yeah. I think that's really hard for us as Cardinal fans t- to yeah. understand because we, as a general, this group, you know, everybody since Stan has been trying to live up to the Stan Mutual legend. Now, granted, with the 10 years that Albert was gone, he didn't pass. Although he's going to wind up, what, eight, nine home runs behind <laughs> behind Stan, even with that time period uh, it, for Cardinal hit, for Cardinal home runs. Um, you know, th- there's a difference between those two in, in Cardinal right. history. But when baseball history, I mean... It's just incredible to think that he was passing, you know, Stan Musial in, in all these different categories and, you know, really being a better, better player. Than, and it, it's, yeah. I can't even say that just right because it <laughs> feels like you shouldn't say that there was somebody a better player than Stan, but, but Albert, he is. And I don't know that we, I can't imagine we will ever see anybody that we will be able to say that was a better player than Albert Pujols. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, I, go ahead. I think part of what makes it so hard is, you know, when we watched him for 11 years in St. Louis, we knew how great he was in the moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of easy. It's easy to compare, um, you know, with those, those, the peers of that moment to say, okay, well, right. this season he was this, this season he fit here, this season he did this thing. It's such a different perspective to say, okay, well, how does he fit into the entire history of this game where there have been records set that no one thought would ever be touched? And I I realize 700 is not a record, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the most ever, but it's such rare company that 
the only people who can, you know, relate or you can relate to in terms of the, the specific flavor of success, right? Talking about home <laughs> runs um, are, are people that do have that sort of larger than life um, existence in our minds. And so then to think back to all those years we watched Albert, you almost feel like as great as we said he was, maybe we didn't quite get it at that yeah. time where he would land. And that's that's what is a little hard to comprehend, I think. Also, I was thinking while you were saying that, remember the last few years where Albert started hitting some of these milestones mm -hmm. in Anaheim or in L.A.? I remember us having conversations saying it's cool and I appreciate it for what it is and I'm happy for him, but it doesn't have the same emotional tie as if he was doing it in a, a Cardinals jersey right. mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. One, because of our personal connection to the Cardinals, of course, but because it didn't feel quite like the story mattered as much <laughs> as it would have otherwise, whether it was in L.A. where people are like, oh, that's neat and then moved on with their lives. Uh, or, you know, with the Dodgers where it was such a short time frame and the team was so good even without him that it was kind of like a footnote rather than a headline. Um, and I think that's part of this is that we didn't think we were going to get another set of milestones with Albert Pujols wearing the birds on the bat. Mm -hmm. And it feels so different in so many ways. And I think he's said as much in the last few days as well, that it does feel different to accomplish this kind of moment wearing this Jersey with, you know, this fan base back in the palm of his hands, basically, let's be real. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, it's something we, we certainly didn't think we were going to get. And it's a lot of fun to have had the chance to get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit ironic because we would talk about 500 and 600 and say, well, but nobody's staying up to watch those because right. he's not on the West Coast. <laughs> and, you know, who's who's following the West Coast? And then, of mm -hmm. course, he hits 700 or all like rapturously watching yeah. this. But, you know, <laughs> that is a difference between him being on the team that you're following yes. and then trying to keep up with him somewhere else on a team that you never see. Right. Um, I mean, he said what he he played against the Cardinals about what, three times in yeah. his time with Anaheim and of course just once back at Bush Stadium. Um it was just it was different. It was weird. And you know, the the more I the more you hear about Albert and the more he talks about needing to be revitalized by that pickup by the Dodgers last year and, and needing to find his you know love for the game again. Anaheim must have been a rough place. You know, I mean, it just, <laughs> especially by the a end. A couple weeks ago, I said that a couple weeks ago and tried to like caveat that with, I don't know, this isn't to say anything about playing in Anaheim, but <laughs> he seems like he's much more emotionally invested in it now than he was. And apparently that was accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it, you said, apparently I've it seen, was rough. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. And I've seen some people talk about that 10 year service contract. But if I remember right, Derek Gould said a couple of years, you know, when last year, after he was released or whatever, that he would have to opt into that contract yes. or whatever. He had the option. I cannot imagine him exercising <laughs> that option, especially because if he wants a, you know, if he wants to do something with a ball team, 
I think he's going to do it with St. Louis and they're going to, they'll pay him whatever he wants to, you yeah. know, to, to stick around. I feel like that personal service contract, when it happened, we were like, what? He's agreeing to, but it was such a new thing that I don't know that we had all the details of how mm -hmm. contractually obligated he was to that 10 years. Right. <laughs> or if it's kind of like, hey, uh, here's an option. If you want to do stuff with us, we'll pay you for it. And mm -hmm. that makes it a lot less likely, I think. <laughs> Especially, yeah, you know, if they're going to sell the team and who knows what's going to happen. And I, right, I don't know that he's right. going to want to be invested in that mess. And I'm sure that there'll be some times where he does something with the Angels. Right. Or, you know, they were recognized. Of course, they don't necessarily... <laughs> they don't have playoff teams to recognize <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. And, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some reasons for him to go out there but you know he's going to be in st louis every opening day with right. that red jacket um and you know it's going to be really interesting the cardinals have already kind of said that they are looking to have a specific day for the albert yachty perhaps wainwright next year you know kind of a, let the you know focus let let them stay right. focused on this mm -hmm. year you know otherwise you know we might see them retire their numbers you know this week which they right. may still do but it feels like you know those guys are going to get their day but i just you know it's one of those things they're not gonna i can't believe they're gonna wait around for you know cooperstown or this yeah. you know three-year retirement clause that they have with the cardinals hall of fame to put in legends like this when it's just I mean, it's just no doubt. You just, you honor them as soon as you can. Right. Well, and I, I think, yeah, for a lot of reasons, I, I think you try to make that as um, immediate as possible to, for one, capitalize on the buzz mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you're, you're smart business wise, but also just to solidify that, you know, these guys are going to be a part of things um, going forward and whatever, uh, to whatever degree that they want to be. Um, it seems like, Yachty's going to be a bit busy, so he might not be around as much <laughs> as, as others might be. I feel like when Adam Wainwright retires, he's going to be the guy that shows up like a lot and just like, hey, guys, what's going on? Can I can I hang out? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch them. Uh, I'll watch some bullpens or, you know, I'll, I'll play long toss or, or whatever. You know, <laughs> he's going to be the guy that they're like, you're here again. I thought I thought you weren't coming today. Um so I don't know where Pujols fits into that mix. But yeah, I think the benefit of doing something sooner rather than later is, you know, multifaceted. But I also like the idea of as much as these three are a trio that has been through it together, they are individually incredibly significant mm -hmm. in the landscape of Cardinals history. So doing something that allows them um, the solo moment that perhaps they haven't gotten in that same way this season um, is a, a nice addition, I think as well to, to future plans, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so as well. Um, yeah. It should be interesting to see that I, and how those connections are formed. And, and, and again, emotionally next year's going to be a downer. I'm sorry, but I mean, there's really, how do you, I mean, there's no doubt that it could be a successful season and there's no doubt that they can have a playoff. They can even win a world series, you know, hopefully they win it this year, but you know, maybe they don't and they win it next year, but emotionally not having Wayne uh, pool or pool holes and not having Molina, not having this chase for history, 
you know, not having that legendary status around this team. I mean, it's, it's going to be a little hard, especially if they struggle to just like, man, you know, man, last year was great. It's, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the run of 2011, you know, how do you follow that up? Um, And, and this is so, this isn't just a combination of events. This is like the buildup of, you know, two decades in the making. I mean, it's like, it's like end game, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, how do you follow up end game? Well, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's difficult if you've watched phase four, it's not yep. been the same thing. Yep. Um, and maybe in 10 or 10 years or so, they'll have, an, you know, another end game or something like that. Now, you know, something that also ties that together, but you have to build to that. And yes. it just doesn't come around all the time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a situation where they could be every bit as successful next season and still not be as exciting. Right. And that's a weird position to be in <laughs> for a team. Um, although I guess if you were one of the players on that team, you have the distinct advantage of uh, knowing that what you experienced the season before is impossible to live up to. Right. So no point in even putting that pressure on yourself <laughs> uh, until you have three potential if not likely hall of famers retiring all in the same season if adam wainwright does in fact retire mm-hmm. uh, you know that's that's not a normal year so don't expect uh you don't have to expect that of yourself every season <laughs> well we've gone almost our normal length of time talking about over fools which is not unexpected and and i would not blame anybody if they stopped here um and and just <laughs> rode out on a high buzz but you know speaking of adam wainwright the rest of the we said the rest of the week was not great. The Cardinals had a stretch and overlapped with our last show of you know four straight games where the only run they scored was an extra inning affair aided by the zombie runner. Um, they had a couple of wins, obviously the big home run game, but then the last couple of days have been quiet as well. And then it feels like you're starting to see that ship that was so. It was the Titanic in August in a good way, and it now it feels a little bit like the end of Titanic um, in September. Let's start with Adam Wainwright because he pitches today, and we, we've been talking about these legends. But he pitched today and struggled yet again. Did not, I think, what pitched three innings, uh, maybe four, gave up four runs, um, walked in a run. I think mm-hmm. um, I didn't get to see much of the game. I was just kind of following along. But, you know, even before that, you know, September has been rough. I mean, he's not – last time out he get, we went six innings. The other three have been five, and then again, shorter than five this time. He's talking about a dead arm, which apparently is less my arm hurts versus I just got to – I can't figure out how to pitch, which, you know <laughs> I mean, you know, or, or how, to, how to grip the ball and stuff of that nature. What does this mean for the postseason, especially because he's only going to have like one more start to figure this out. And if he doesn't, if he looks like this next time out, can he be your game one starter or your even worse, your game, you know, your elimination game starter? Yeah. I think it suddenly makes the postseason rotation really scary because there's not a guarantee of any of mm-hmm. that. As far as, Adam saying, hey, we decided the best thing for me to do is just pitch through this. I've been here before. I know how this feels. I just have to get 
to the other side of it. I, on the one hand, I'm inclined to say, this is Adam Wainwright we're talking about. He mm-hmm. has resurrected his career more than once, more than twice, when other guys probably would not have gotten to that point where they, they fixed something or they figured it out or they came back from an injury. So I'm inclined to say Adam Wainwright knows his arm better than anyone else does, with the possible exception of Yadier Molina, who just a couple of weeks ago uh, evidently um, told the coaching staff Wayno was done, uh, <laughs> which Wayno did not appreciate in that game, but later was able to say he was actually right, though. So yeah, it's yeah. fine. So perhaps Yadier knows it a little bit better than than Wayno himself. But because of that, I'm... I would generally lean towards saying, hey, he knows he knows what he's talking about better than I do. So I am not going to question if he feels like the better option is just pitching through it rather than sitting out a game, sitting out a start and not knowing what he's where he's going to be in his preparation for the, the next start. That said, we've watched Adam Wainwright for a long time now. And his competitiveness and his desire to be everything he can be for the team sometimes compromises his view of reality <laughs> <laughs> in a way that's, you know, not, I almost can't even fault him for it, right? Because he has so many times been the guy to come through, been the guy to figure it out in the nick of time, been the guy to write the ship or, you know, whatever it is. Again, all the cliches you can throw at it because they've been true over the course of his career. We, we thought his career was done a few years ago in LA and he's proven since then that all it took was a little bit of confidence, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of rest to get healthy and the right tweaks to put him right back in the mix with some of the top pitchers in the game. So I'm torn, I guess I would have preferred that he not make the Sunday afternoon start (laughs) and take that one off so that then he has rest plus one more start in the regular season before you're talking about postseason rotations. Um, but again, I don't, I don't know what this dead arm thing feels like or what it feels like when you're you're getting close, right? It can look really ugly and you're still getting close more than likely. Um, and that's just not, that's not something I have experienced. So I can't speak to it with authority. But I also know that Bueno simultaneously wants to be the guy that does everything he can for this team but also doesn't want to be the guy that hurts the team's chances either. So I think that leads me to, to believe he will be cautious in terms of uh, almost overcommitting himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can do this. Well, maybe I can't. And hopefully not doing that um, after his one remaining regular season start. Yeah. Cause he's going to, like you say, whether they think he should skip a start or not, the next starts in Bush Stadium. The next start could be his last start in Bush Stadium. That's not a playoffs game. They're not going to skip that start. You know, I mean, he can, I mean, he, you know, you could see him go two, three innings, and yeah. you know, hope you know, even if if they're scoreless, you know, okay, I, f- I figured it out, I've got this, you know, pitch a couple innings, then you know, give him a little bit of rest and all that stuff, so he can make sure he goes in to the postseason on a high note, but. 
you know, because I, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm still kind of in the inclination that he retires, and you're right. I got it. You got to think that in the back of his mind, he's like, "Is this just what my arm is now?" You know, I mean, probably not because of how he pitched the rest of the year, but I think that's going to be like, do I risk? next year being more like what September has been versus what I've done the last couple of years. I, I yeah. just wonder if this isn't going to, you know, I, even if Wainwright hasn't made up his mind and I think it's very possible that he has not, I just got to wonder if that's not going to tip the scales just a little bit and say, you know, th- this may be time to go. Yeah. And I think it's entirely possible that, I guess the best way to say it is that it's an endurance thing, not because yeah. he's not fit enough, but because, right. you know, his, as his body ages, it doesn't recover as quickly or as, you know, completely as it once did. And he's thrown a lot of innings this year for someone who we didn't even think would be pitching two years ago to be closing in on that 200 innings <laughs> mark, you know, at, at least closer than anyone would have thought he would be. Um, it's a lot of wear and tear on an arm that isn't 25 anymore. Right. Right. And so it may not be that there's anything wrong with his arm. It's just at this point, after throwing as much as he has this year, you know, the recovery may not be the same as it has been in years past. And I'm sure that's part of what's going on through in his mind as well is, is this a dead arm thing that I can get past in the next week and a half? Or is this just, you know, where the, the tire blows out, if you will. And um, it means nothing about the value of the rest of the season. It's just a different limit than he had six or seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Now this would be less concerning if it wasn't for, as you said, that rotation doesn't really have anybody <laughs> else. We were really thinking Jordan Montgomery was going to be that guy, right? I mean, the way he kind of came into St. Louis and just really was dominant. But it, whether the league has kind of adjusted to him, whether, you know, I don't, I don't know what the case it may be. His last four starts, he's got a 6 ERA. Um, he's given up five homers in 21 innings. Um, strikeouts are still there. The walks are still low. Everything's still pretty good overall. Being, but... And, and again, he he wasn't going to be able to keep up what he had been doing. It was just insane. But you'd like to see the pendulum not swing so far to the other end. Yeah, yeah. I would like to not see the Cardinals peak in August. That mm. would be that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, as far as Montgomery is concerned, it will be. It becomes a much more interesting conversation, I guess, in terms of that postseason rotation who you slot in where, who you're most confident in. And I think it makes Jack Flaherty a far more intriguing um, piece of this puzzle because Mm. if he comes in and suddenly looks like, you know, I I didn't get to watch his last start, um, but heard some of the commentary that was, hey, in his last two innings, he really did look like, like the Jack Flaherty that we've all been hoping for. If that's a thing that comes in in the next you know week and a half, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, maybe Jack Flaherty is one rested compared to everyone else, right. and two back into that that sweet spot where he's most effective. 
how do you utilize that? I think the conversation for a while has been, does Jack Flaherty even make sense on a postseason roster? But if the rotation is sort of falling apart at the last second and he's coming on strong, it makes that a more interesting conversation than I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, every time Flaherty goes out is a big test. And you're right. I mean, it does seem like he kind of figured some stuff out at the end of the last one. Um, he's going to go probably in that Pittsburgh series at home at some point in time in there. Um, you know, that that's going to be a big thing for him. Um, you know, let's see if he can put it all together because he very well. I mean, and it's kind of crazy, though. We've talked about all these people. We've talked about Jack Flaherty and you know what he does. We've talked about Jordan Montgomery thinking he's going to be the guy, and now maybe he's not. And Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis has had his own problems, but then has also pitched well. I mean, he threw shut up all this time around. Jose Quintana may be, <laughs> you know, your sleeper, your sleeper weapon. Um, because he just kind of goes out there and for the most part, and I mean, it just, you know, gives up a run or two, pitches five or six innings, and it keeps you in a ball game. And that may be just about what they need right now. Yeah. Yeah. If the bullpen can be the good version of the bullpen that mm-hmm. we've seen in the last few days, uh, that may be all that they need. They may not need an Adam Wainwright to be a complete game kind of starter. Um, you know, if you have Quintana who can throw five or six and and not lay a giant egg in <laughs> any of those five or six innings, uh, maybe that gives you the uh, bump that you need to get to the back end of your bullpen guys that um, have been, <laughs> knock on wood, a uh, bit more reliable as of late. But it's it just has become a more complicated puzzle than I think it was two or three weeks ago. And that's the frustrating thing about hitting this skid when they did. Mm-hmm. It's also the frustrating thing about just forgetting how to score any runs that are not Albert Pujols home runs. <laughs> so uh, that's that's been a bit of an issue there as well that to me is as concerning, if not more so, than even you know what that rotation looks like. Because if they're not scoring runs, as we've seen the last few years in the postseason – it doesn't matter really what the pitching is capable of, you know, if your middle of the order isn't doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And that is really the kicker um, because I don't think we realized until they kind of stopped how much this offense relied on Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Nolan has started to pick up the pace a little bit more. He hit the home run last night. Um, the only runs the Cardinals scored, but it's, 30th home run of the year. Um, but Goldie is just, he's stuck in a weird, a weird funk, right? I mean, yeah. he's hitting 227, not counting today um, over the last 12, hasn't hit a home run in that span. You know, we were talking, you know, what, beginning of September about the Triple Crown, and now Goldie's not going to win. Not only is he not going to win any of the categories, you know, there's some of those categories he's going to finish like fourth or fifth in, you know, at home run. The way he just, it's now, again, all of that gets wiped away with a strong postseason or something like that. But it's really weird to see Paul Goldschmidt struggle at this, ex, for this kind of extended period. Now he's still getting yeah. some hits here and there. You know, there's two or three two hit games in there. It's just, 
you know, not the guy that we've seen all year long. Like I told you before this, we started the show, I think I might prefer the start cold goalie and finish hot than, than what we're getting <laughs> necessarily this year. Even though he's legitimate MVP, you know, some of that's going to be overshadowed by how he finishes here in September. And if for some reason the Cardinals go quietly into the post in the postseason, there's going to be some people that, you know, again, yeah, it's great that he had an MVP and obviously you're not here without him, but you really wish he'd maybe saved a little bit of that for the end. Yeah. Yeah. We knew it was a pace that he wasn't going to be able to keep up, you know, uh, in perpetuity. Right. It it was, Mm -hmm. he was doing things that we were like, this is not, this is not human. This, I don't understand how this is happening. And that was a lot of fun too, but it is strange to see him go so ice cold at this point. Uh, You know, you get to this time of the year and wonder if somebody's playing through something that's not serious enough for uh, consecutive days off or, or whatever it is, um, much less an IL stint. But even if it's just sort of the missed opportunities compounding on themselves, I don't know. There are so many things that it's, this could be related to in some way, shape or form. I do think, you know, even in the struggles, he's still driven in some runs, even with, you know, sack flies or or ground outs or whatever he's still found a way to contribute at times when there are actually base runners on ahead of him which has been uh, entirely too rare in the last little stretch but it's not the same and it you see so significantly how much he drives the offensive success of this team which is interesting because I think a lot of us expected that to be Nolan Arenado, who certainly has made his incredibly strong contributions, but Paul Goldschmidt is the one who has really been able to just continue to drive things forward when even Arenado has stalled out at times this season. So that's the biggest concern to me in the offense is uh, Paul Goldschmidt figuring out how to be Paul Goldschmidt, even if it's not August, Paul Goldschmidt, (laughs) where, you know, you hit everything in sight. Um, But some some version at least closer to that than where we are right now yeah yeah i mean you know again he's not the only one we've seen you know Corey dickerson has cooled back off to kind of close to where he was maybe when we thought he was going to get released um <laughs> maybe not quite that bad but um you know tyler o'neill's out but you know and then large new has had his moments but you know keeping it consistent i mean there's except for maybe Tommy Edmond, there hasn't been just a whole lot in September that's been consistent. They're just here and there and hit or miss. And, you know, again, all this can be put together and they can make a run through this playoff. There's no reason they can't. And I know (laughs) narratively we really want them (laughs) to. I mean, (laughs) I think if we could trade a couple of World Series for one this year, you know, there's some people that would do that. Um, But, you know, and again, you get six games with the Pirates in the year. If that can't get you on track, then I don't know what, what's going to. Yeah. That's certainly, it's a weird way to end the season, but uh, perhaps some advantages there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully so. All right. Well, next week we'll be with you or after the, the, the two games in Milwaukee, the three games in Bush. Um, so I'm sure it will be emotional weekend next week and hopefully they'll 
boy, if they haven't clinched by this time next week, <laughs> we're going to have a whole lot of more other things to talk about besides the last yeah. games of, of Pujols and Yachty and, and Bush. But uh, hopefully we're talking about the NL Central champions then and looking forward to the playoffs. But until then, for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.